1: listening to Setting the Pace. Now, here's your hosts, Alex Golden and Michael J. Focci.
0: Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace here on edisportslegends.com. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me as he does every Tuesday,
2: it's the one and only, the great Michael J. Focci. Focci, what's going on, brother? Hey, nothing much, Alex. We are talking, we are roughly two weeks away from the NBA draft. While the Pacers don't have a first-round pick, you never know what we're going to end up with, because today's going to be a fun episode filled with a couple trades that maybe get us into the first round, maybe even earlier than our original pick of 54. Yeah, so I mean, hey, I'm all for
0: it, and like, I talked about this yesterday with Matt Babcock, there's like nine second-round draft picks in the next six years of Pacers' own, so... I think this draft is one where maybe you could get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon at 36. That happened a few years ago. I think there's players like that that could fall into the second round that could be contributors right away. And that also gives you a lot of leverage with the uh, their salaries. But, yeah, Foch, so today uh, in our second segment, we're going to be joined by Matt George, who covers the Sacramento Kings for Locked on Kings. And we're going to talk all things Buddy Hill with him. But today, I mean, you're going to run through some, you know, uh, not so sexy, uh, kind of like minor trade ideas. So uh, we've got a few here up our sleeves. Fachi, uh, I'll let you go first.
2: Sure. So now it's, you know, there is no real specific order to my trade. So, you know, don't judge the first one as, as being the best or being the worst. But I thought we'd start off with um, kind of a, a little bit of a familiar name and one that could kind of help the Pacers um, cap-wise in the future. Now, with this trade, the Pacers are going to be sending Jeremy Lamb and TJ Leaf over to the Bulls for Thad Young and Daniel Gafford. Now, with Gafford, you're getting you're getting a younger power forward, but with Thad Young, you're getting a veteran power forward right now that if you are going to look to cut him, there's only about two to three million guaranteed in his salary moving forward. So you're getting out from Jeremy Lamb. So Essentially, it's a cost saving move that gives you a veteran now and a young power forward, but it's not that sexy on paper. And you get rid of TJ Leaf.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't love Thad Young back in a Pacers uniform? I think he would be a guy that Bjorkman would love just because of, of his hustle. Now, obviously, the three point shot is still not there for Thad, but hey, I think as a bench player, a guy that you could use in a limited role, I would be okay with it. And He's a good leader. Very well, you know, knows his team very well. Good chemistry reasons. I like it. Um, I'll give you my next trade. It's a pretty basic one here, Foch, but it's uh, it's a player for player trade with the Dallas Mavericks and the Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers acquire Dorian Finney Smith, and the Mavericks acquire Aaron Holiday.
2: Okay, so uh, so it's just. Repeat that trade again for me real yeah, quick. Yeah, it's it's just a straight swap here. It's
0: Aaron Holiday going to the Mavericks. The Pacers get small forward power forward 6 foot 7 Dorian
2: Finney-Smith. Interesting because I actually have a trade that involves Finney-Smith and Aaron Holiday as well. However, there is a few other little pieces in there. Uh so if I have that trade, it shows I like Finney-Smith as well. Uh he can shoot the 3. I think he defend pretty well. Just a well-rounded player, not great, a good player. So uh, I'm interested in that. I mean, you know, I would kind of like a guard back in that deal. So I found a way to incorporate Seth Curry in the oh, deal. It's Seth Curry, Dorian Finney-Smith for McDermott and Aaron, Aaron Holiday. Holiday. So, I knew that was a trade. Uh, Yep, yep. Now, the Mavs, they've had McDermott before. So, would you really want him again? He's not a bad player at all. So, you got another shooter for Luka right over there yep. in Porzingis. Um, with Curry, we're getting a shooter. They're getting Aaron Holiday, who I feel like they would they would like. I really do think that they would value Aaron Holiday. And the Pacers get Finney Smith. So, um, any combination of that, I do, I do like it. Aaron Holiday for Finney Smith straight up. I, know, I feel like we could probably get a little bit more.
0: Maybe it's just what's Aaron Holliday's value. I mean, he's like 23, 24 years old already was a older guy that was drafted. Um, really. He's kind of small undersized. We know he has a big wingspan at six foot seven, but you know, I want to see what he can do because I am intrigued by Aaron Holliday's game. I just said last week that I think he might have the most upside with a Bjorkman hire. I think one for playing time and two, because he might be able to push his potential, but I really like Dorian Finney-Smith. I think he's a really good player, and I think he helps the Pacers win right now a little bit more than Aaron Holiday because of his position and, and being able to play him in a smaller ball lineup with T.J. Warren at the four and Sabonis at the five and then kind of staggering those minutes with with Miles. But I'll go over to my next trade here, Fachi, and this is a deal between the Pacers and the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are going to get Jeremy Lamb, Doug McDermott, and T.J. Leaf. The Pacers are going to get Gary Harris and Kata Bates-Diop.
2: Love me some from uh, Gary Harris. Definitely love Gary Harris. Keita Yacht was someone that was actually projected to go to the Pacers in many mock drafts. I remember about two years ago. So uh, repeat that again in terms of our pieces. Was that, that was Jeremy Lamb and... Uh, Leaf and McDermott.
0: Yeah, so basically it's more of a salary. Uh, Leaf and McDermott. Yeah, so Leaf and McDermott are combined $11.6 million of cap space, which I think might be enticing to to the to the to the Nuggets who have a big you know payday coming they are more than likely going to get Jeremy Grant back uh Gary Harris has still got 19 million dollars on his contract for the next two seasons so helps him shed that contract in half basically and then they would have Jeremy Lamb for just one year at 10.5 million and I think maybe by that point Jeremy Lamb could be a nice bench player for him but I just feel like Gary Harris has a negative value but I think as a Pacers like six man he could be really special Mm -hmm.
2: He really could. I've mentioned it before. how I really wanted Gary Harris a few years ago, and I feel like for various reasons, his production has dropped off. I loved Gary Harris in like 2016, 2017. I'm looking at the stats right now. Very efficient shooter. Kind of wondering where that efficiency went. The three-point ball has fallen off a bit. Once a 42% shooter, then a 40%. We've dipped down to about 34, 333 so still brings a lot of great intangibles to the Pacers. Just a little bit scared about that contract moving forward, having about, you know, the 19 million per year that you mentioned. So I'm a little bit on the fence there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would do it. It's only for two years and mm-hmm. it's next year. If it's expiring $19 million expiring contract, pair that with a miles Turner that gets you close to about 37, 38 million. I think that you can maybe make a move that make more sense. You wouldn't have to give up a depot in that trade. It just, I don't know. I like Gary Harris, and if Depot does leave, then you have a guy that can start at that shooting guard position the following year, and I think someone that's a really good defender.
2: Definitely. And, guys, just so you know, to the rules on this was that Alex and I had to come up with trades that did not involve Pacers starters. So these are going to be smaller moves designed to get the team better without giving up, for instance, miles turner or victor oladipo so yep. i know you guys are thinking in the beginning why do we want thad young again or is this the best that we can do no no no. this is more thinking outside the box obviously then we would have bigger names involved in these deals but moving over to my next trade curious to see your thoughts on this because i know at times we have both liked this player it's a trade involving the detroit pistons oh i have one too okay. it's T.J. Leaf and Aaron Holiday for Luke Kennard. Okay, I'll give you my counter here
0: that I had for this. So I I don't think T.J. Leaf is a a positive asset at all. It's all negative for him. So I don't know if they would do that deal. I mean, I think Aaron Holiday is interesting. But I, I think a deal that I like better for the Pacers is the Pacers give up Doug McDermott and Aaron Holiday, and in return they get Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown somebody that I really like, he's only at 1.6 million next year. You got Luke Kennard at an expiring 5.2. Aaron holiday still has two years left on his deal at 2.3. And then you get McDermott for 7.3. I mean, I think out of all four of those players, it's a toss up between Kennard and holiday, who's the best player in the deal. But I really think, you know, you give a McDermott a guy that can shoot the ball that gives them another asset to deal. I, I just think, and it's a little bit more of a salary, you know, more salary to throw out in a trade makes it more enticing. Um, but, yeah, I just – I would love Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard on the Pacers bench.
2: So here's what I'll say there. You got Detroit, who has become so cheap to the point where I think that if they can avoid committing money to Luke Kennard or, A, letting him walk for free, I think they they would do a deal. And Luke Kennard was one of the, the names that I, I thought would be moved to the deadline last year. It yes. wasn't um, – Aaron Holiday, I think, is someone that they developed they they would love to have at point guard because you're talking about you know um, Derek Rose is going to be leaving there. There's no way he's got a future in Detroit past no. this year. He might even be traded before the season even starts. Could be a draft day deal. We've heard the Lakers could be rumored in there. TJ Leaf, sure. At this point, he's not it. Not an asset really. So if you have to include. McDermott and Aaron Holiday, I truly believe that Luke Kennard's the better player there. I do think that there's more to his game than what McDermott's bringing. So if that's what it takes, you know, McDermott and Aaron Holiday to bring in Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown, count me in.
0: Yeah, I Uh, mean, I would even even attach some of those second-round picks that they have if that's what it takes to get the deal done. Because like you mentioned, Luke Kennard's been on the trade block for the last couple of years. Bruce Brown is just like – he was a starter last year for a good amount of time for Detroit – they're a complete rebuild mode. Uh, Christian Woods, a guy you talked about in free agency that could be interesting to go after. Ooh, we, know, yeah. we know they have camp space. Um, they traded Andre Drummond. They, they have Blake Griffin's horrible contract. Um, could he be moved? I think there's a possibility that they could try to move him as well. You know, they got the seventh overall pick, and I think if you attach Blake to that, you might be able to get a trade back in return. That would make some sense, not with the Pacers, but somebody else. So, yeah, I mean, I think Detroit's in a bit of a flex situation here where they don't really know where they're going. But getting young assets, maybe with a pick attached, would make more sense for them. But, yeah, I mean, even a couple second-round picks on this deal might help them. And they might strike out and miss on Fred VanVleet, so it'd be nice to have a backup playing at point guard with Aaron Holiday.
2: I definitely think so. And, unfortunately, with this draft class being weaker, I don't think that attaching the seventh overall pick is still even enough to get that Blake contract off. I mean, I see those knees as – it's sad because Blake was a very athletic player in his time and, you know, a a surefire all-star. I do think that his career is closer to the end than it is the start. It goes without saying due to age. But those knees, I believe, have deteriorated in front of our eyes, and I don't think you're going to be able to get that contract off. Yeah. (laughs) Um, probably not. do have one trade, though, that I think might be a little intriguing. Curious to see uh, what would happen over there. It involves the Pacers and the Houston Rockets. Now, in this deal, the Pacers are sending out Doug McDermott. And, yes, Goga himself, a bold move. But the Pacers can bring in Robert Cummington. It allows the Rockets <laughs> to get away from small ball. They, they, they get the option to have Goga, and maybe he develops into a real center. You get a three-point shooter over there, and the Pacers get a guy like Covington, who I think fits this team like a glove. I, I would love to get Robert Covington and his, his very reasonable contract on the Pacers. It does come at the risk of, of giving up on Goga before you ever truly gave him a chance, though.
0: Yeah, I don't think the Houston Rockets accept the Steel Focci. I, I don't think, I think they do either. They could get a little bit more for Covington than an expiring McDermott and an unproven Goga. I mean, they'd probably be asking for Miles Turner in this, in this trade scenario here, and I don't even think they would – I think they'd be hesitant to pull the trigger on a Turner for Covington trade because of how good Covington was last year. So Covington is a nice idea for the Pacers, but I just don't think right now that – it makes a whole lot of sense for the Pacers with Covington. But um, I got one for you, Fach, and I think you might be interested in. And this is a Pacers-Nets deal, and this is a guy that I really think would be fun to have on the Pacers. And he's got an expiring contract after this coming – no, he's got two years left, excuse me, on his deal. But, you know, he wants an extension. He wants more of a role. I don't know if he'd get this in Indiana, maybe if they were to move on from Depot, something like that. But I've got Doug McDermott and Aaron Holliday – Going to the Brooklyn Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie. What are your thoughts on that one?
2: So Doug McDermott
0: and who is it for Spencer Dinwiddie? Aaron Holiday. So they get a nice guard to go with their with the with the uh, Nets core, and, and they they don't really lose anybody besides Dinwiddie, who I know was really good for him last year off the bench, but adding another shooter in McDermott with Kyrie and, and Durant and who knows what they're going to do with Joe Harris. Like what if they decide Joe Harris isn't affordable and they can get a cheaper version of Joe Harris with Doug McDermott at 7.3. Sure. They got to lose Dinwiddie, but you know, they could probably find another player to to make a move with. I mean, they still got Karis Lavert there. I just, I just like Aaron Holiday and McDermott a lot um, with that Nets team, but I don't know if that's enough to get Dinwiddie.
2: Here's the thing. Short-term. I like the move. Dinwiddie, uh, for, for the Pacers, you know, at $11.5 million next year, really like it. I think that he's a player that would help the team out tremendously. Um, I think he opts out of his contract afterwards, though. He's got a player option for $12.3 million. I feel like that's someone who has kind of outplayed what, he's, what his market value, you know, had been in the past. So it, are you fine with letting Aaron Holiday go? For only one year of Dinwoody. Yeah, he might opt out, but
0: if you lose a then there's a starting position available. And the Pacers can say, hey, we'll sign you to a, to a new contract. You're still pretty young age. Put him in the backcourt with Malcolm Brogdon. You know, two guys that can both handle the point guard, both are bigger. I think that it's a risk that you take because I think Spencer Dinwoody is really good at basketball. And I mean, the Nets probably won't let him go in my opinion, for this deal. I think that it might be a little bit too much the Pacers are asking for in return. So they might have to give up like a protected pick or a pick swap in here somewhere. But yeah, I mean, I just, I like Dinwiddie and I know there's fear in that. I think that Brooklyn probably has those same fears and that's why they might want to invest in a younger, cheaper contract, on Aaron Holiday, who's still got two years left at $2.3 million. And then they could probably get him on a cheaper extension than they could Dinwiddie. But yeah, I think that there's something to play around here with though, Foch.
2: No, there definitely is. Uh, I'm curious in terms of Brooklyn if, you know, when they really want to – their goal is to win a championship, and I feel like Dinwiddie gives you a better chance than an an Aaron Holiday and a McDermott. So it it makes it tough where if they would do that or not, I think think both sides kind of have their questions. You know, the Pacers being would Dinwiddie resign, you know, the Nets being, hey, are we giving up a potential, you know, really good sixth man for, you know, maybe uh, waiting on – Aaron holiday to really, you know, fully develop because he's going to have his inconsistencies. Uh, Dinwiddie, I do think might be a bit more of a good to go on an every night basis. If Dinwiddie was to resign or be open to that, then I think the Pacers made a really good move because Dinwiddie, we've seen him play really good when Kyrie Irving's gone down. Yeah. So, you know, I- I'm intrigued with that. Um, I do have one option over that. I want to hear your thoughts on because this is someone who I, I brought up a couple episodes ago that I'm not sure if all the listeners really watched him in the bubble, but this trade involves the San Antonio Spurs, and I got my eyes on him, and I think you know who I'm talking about. It's bringing in Keldon Johnson, and in order to bring in Keldon Johnson, you're going to have to strap a contract like Rudy Gay to him. It's just one year, $14 million, but the Pacers would be offering Doug McDermott, Goga, and TJ Leaf. There's something about Goga that I feel like the Spurs would like him a lot. It's got to be, obviously, because he's a European and a big man. I do think that the Spurs would be able to get something out of him. I mean, you're going to lose LaMarcus Aldridge. They really don't have a lot at center over there. You have Trey Lyles, Jacob Pottle. Um, You know, you get McDermott as a three-point shooter. But Keldon Johnson, I do think, is a potential diamond in the rough. And it sounds like the exact player that if the Patriots were able to bring in I mean, this could be a guy that that really takes off for them. And and when you're looking at a guy like TJ Leaf, there's really nothing there. McDermott, he's expiring. You know, Goga's really that first round pick that you're parting with. And the Spurs get off the 14 million for Rudy Gay. So,
0: yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know if they view Rudy Gay's contract as some overwhelming uh, situation. And um, I know it sounds like, oh, that sounds like a lot of money, like salary cap relief. But I think it's only for how many years? One or two? It's just f. It's one year
2: left at fourteen million. Yeah,
0: I mean, with an expiring contract and an affordable, uh, you know, affordable expiring contract, I really don't think San Antonio is going to be like, yeah, we got to get off this. We don't want this cap. I mean, if it was like DeRozan or LaMarcus, I could see them like, you know, maybe doing something like that because they just want to like go into complete rebuild. I understand why that might be enticed by Goga, but I don't know, Foch. I just I feel like the way Colton Johnson played in the bubble. I feel like Sacramento is pretty high on him and I've heard actually that he's probably going to start next year for him. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that they probably consider a starter level player for some salary dumps and Goga, a guy that's, you know, still really raw and could become a starter in the NBA at some point in his career. I just, I just don't see Sacramento doing this unless there's more and more and more involved with it. And I don't think the Pacers want to offer more than that for a very short sample size of Keldon Johnson. I mean, Kelton Johnson's stock is probably at its, at its highest right now after the way he played the bubble. So, personally, like, yeah, I mean, I understand why you like Kelton Johnson. I just don't think that the the, the Spurs are going to get rid of
2: him. I don't think they are either. I, I really don't. I think that Kelton Johnson is someone that I'm just very confident in, that he's going to take the next step. And if there was a way to get him, you know, even the Pacers don't – since they don't have another first-round pick, I mean, that would have been one of those where – could have been intriguing to include that, but I do think he's going to be a really good player from the Spurs. If the Pacers had an option to get him, it would be great. But given our, uh, our rules on these trades where it has to be bench players, I just don't think that we have enough to entice them without having a first round pick.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I will say this, the Pacers were interested in Keldon Johnson and picked Goga over him. So they could have had Keldon Johnson. So Shame on Indiana for not taking uh, Keldon Johnson. That's who they really wanted. But I will share my last trade I with you here. And it is very similar to what you were trying to kind of throw out there with a salary dump. And that's Harrison Barnes from the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he's going to be coming to the Pacers at $22.2 million for three years remaining. I believe his contract is declining. So it's an interesting deal, but they're going to attach that number uh, 12 overall pick in this year's draft and in exchange, what they're going to get back is a bunch of expiring contracts. They're going to get T.J. Leaf, T.J. McConnell, Doug McDermott, and then they're going to take on you know one extra year of Jeremy Lamb at 10.5. But the reason I, I thought this trade might make sense, Fotch, because they just want to get rid of that Harrison Barnes contract because it's really going to hold them up cap-wise for a little bit. Now, Barnes isn't a terrible player, but I think he'd be a bench player for the Pacers in this situation. Then it gives the Pacers a chance to get into the draft – at a nice lottery pick, and they don't have to give up too much. Now, maybe you might say that's you know, too much in, in return for the, uh, for the Kings to give up, but I just feel like attaching Harrison Barnes' ugly contract with that pick for a bunch of expirings really helps the Kings' financial situation going forward.
1: It definitely
2: does. And, you know, in this, our segment later on, we're going to talk about how the Kings, unfortunately, in order to convince anyone to really stay or come there, you had to overpay. And they definitely overpaid in Harrison Barnes. Uh, Barnes, who once went from, you know, being a, a fourth option on the Warriors to then going to Dallas on, on a solid deal. And I felt like he was kind of exposed as just being a pretty good player. Not, not a real good player, but a pretty good player. And if we're going to take on that remaining, I'm adding it up right now. It's about $60, 62000000 million left. It scares me. It scares me. I do like the idea of the 12th overall pick, but I'm wondering for a team like the Kings that cannot get out of this playoff drought for 14 years it's been now, can they afford to include a lottery pick over here? Because that's their lifeline. No one's going to Sacramento. The guys that even went to Sacramento, they're even trying to get rid of. I mean, so it's going to be an interesting move there. I think that That Harrison Barnes contract, Harrison Barnes, I don't think it's going anywhere yet. And if the Pacers are going to be the one to take it on, I think I just prefer not to.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just that number 12 overall pick in this draft is really enticing to me because I feel like there's a lot of guys – that could help and a lot of guys that are more helpful than you know McDermott who they probably won't bring back McConnell someone they probably won't bring back T.J. Leaf someone they definitely won't bring back and then an injured Jeremy Lamb like you're gonna probably get more production out of Harrison Barnes and this pick than you are out of all four of those guys in the next couple of years so that's why I would be interested in that I know people are like god Harrison Barnes contract's awful but I I don't think it's as bad as some people think and a lot of people like there's some people that just absolutely hate Harrison Barnes so if you're in that category yeah, you're going to hate this trade. But for me, I like it. And that's really the last trade that I have. Fauci, do you have any more you want to share?
2: I do. I have two quick ones. One seems pretty realistic and one, I don't know. First one, Aaron Holiday and the 54th overall pick to Toronto for OG Ananobi and the 29th overall pick. Now I'm banking on, I'm banking what? on, you, you don't think they do it? This, this, this is um, a joke, right? You're kidding, right? I'm banking on that Fred VanVleet leaves.
0: Okay, why would they give us OG and Anobi then?
2: You're getting Aaron Holiday, a guard right over there that you could pair <laughs> with. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. OG and Anobi
0: is the starter on a team that almost went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Aaron Holiday was a guy that could barely play any minutes against the Heat. What are we well, talking about here?
2: That's the one that I said is probably not that realistic. It's not All in right. the
0: close. Like, okay. I mean, and then you ask for a pick. Like if it was, oh him, yeah, if it was Aaron Holiday and like a future pick for OG, like okay, maybe you could like get a get the the get the Raptors to answer the phone, but as soon as they heard that, they would laugh and hang up. You know, it's like uh, OG and Obi is a starter on that on that team, and he is so good. Like he, he is good. Yeah, I mean he's way 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 better than Aaron Holiday. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to. No, that's no, fine. Make hey. feel bad here. Hey, I I dream. but no, I'm
2: watching. That is, oh, I prefaced it. By saying one of them's realistic and one of them, not so much. No, so not at all. Zero,
0: we will, zero we will, chance. We will
2: definitely take that as a no. All right? You probably so,
0: couldn't even get OG if you included Miles and Aaron Holiday. I'm just uh,
2: no, you could I not believe
0: that. You, you could the,
2: not. The, the, big, the big can. men in Toronto are drying up. Marcus has gone, and Serge Ibaka could easily be out yeah, of okay. there. Okay,
0: they can go find somebody else. OG and Obi is a guy that – is probably part of their big plans of the future. I mean, you're talking about O.G. Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, and that's who they're going to start building around. I mean, good. if they bring bleep back, uh, they could cause some problems. I mean, O.G. Ananobi's been really good in the playoffs. So, Yeah, yes. He's been yeah. much better than Turner, much better than Aaron Holiday. Uh, yeah, I mean. Should, no. should have been a
2: pacer. Can't blame us for calling. Uh, my <laughs> My last deal over here, tell me what you think of this. So, Doug McDermott. And T.J. McConnell for Mike Scott and the 34th and 36th overall pick to the sell, uh, the Sixers. So hear me out here. If the Pacers have to throw in the 54th, they have to do it? Okay, sure. Now, Philly has five draft picks from 21 to 58 over there. There yeah. is no way that Philly, a team that has to win now, is using five draft picks. No, They, they get – Doug McDermott, because you get a three-point shooter over there, and at times they've struggled with that. Um, they give up Mike Scott, who's got about five $5 million remaining. Um, so you're getting – so essentially the, the, the Sixers get McConnell back because we know they valued McConnell, and I think that he was a great locker room guy over there. They get McDermott, and the Pacers get Mike Scott and two early second-round picks. Yeah, that's that is realistic to me. That's my realistic deal that I mentioned. The first one, pipe dream. You can hang stop. up on me all you want, but I'm not
0: even, if I saw you calling after you offered me that, I wouldn't even answer your phone anymore. Dude, I'm doing
2: Star Six Seven right after that, and I'm I'm throwing in TJ Leaf. All right,
0: oh, I'm stop. going for
2: it until like you block me. Me. No, me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm I'm just saying. <laughs> I, 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 you'd have to hear me out on a couple offers because I do want OG. I know it's not going to happen. But I'm still. A lot of people want OG.
0: And what would be funny is if you called him were like, hey, we took TJ Leaf at 18 so OG could slide to you for the last four years. He got you a championship even though he didn't even play in that because he was. He literally didn't. Yep. (laughs) But. He, he helped you have some fun runs with LeBron and DeRozan. I think it's fair that you give him back now. Like, if you said that, like, I might think you're funny and laugh and listen to your conversation, but, like, for you to, like, be like, hey, I want that 27th overall pick, you can have my 54th overall pick in this, in this terrible draft that everybody keeps talking about. Like, come on, man. I, no I, one I, wants that 54th
2: I, <laughs> overall pick. It's I'm, terrible. I'm it's still, just
0: – I'm still hung up on the fact that you even, like, brought that to the table. Like <laughs> – Hey, like, I, I'm sorry. I just can't get past it. Like, I don't want Mike Scott either. Like, unless we get. Oh, Mike, oh, I,
2: yeah. No, no. I, I trust me. I'm not interested in Mike Scott. What I'm interested in is getting that 34th and 36th overall pick. Yeah, I think that yeah. right there, it's appealing. McConnell, like, you still need to get him to, to, we still need to pick up the option where I feel like at that point, the Sixers are someone that knows McConnell. I feel like he's got a great relationship with Ben Simmons and Embiid over there um mike scott is just a a serviceable player that's whatever he's expiring five million dollars mcdermott i think would be kind of appealing to uh the sixers where at times they've lacked three-point shooting
0: yeah i mean i I think it kind of makes sense i mean you could probably just do like mike scott and um because i mean i don't know if they have the cap room for it I don't think they would want to, like, continue to go into the luxury by taking on T.J. McConnell's contract unless they threw something else back at us. So, I mean, you know, taking a couple extra million on McDermott's contract um, by by trading Mike Scott, like, I think that makes a lot of sense for them because they do need three-point shooting. And, you know, it's just like, from what I'm reading here, like, they couldn't even take on that amount from McDermott. So, I don't know where you, where that trade went through for you at, but on, on – on, uh,
2: the, the 34th and the 36th. Uh, overall pick you know that's
0: yeah, but I'm saying but I even tried just Mike Scott for McDermott and it won't even work with the picks included so I don't even know like we'd have to take back another salary from Philadelphia for that even to work um, it might have to be like a Zaire Smith well yeah
2: I've I've looked at that Zaire Smith is someone for just a couple million dollars fits in there he's essentially been pretty close to dead yeah. weight since joining the NBA but uh, if, if that's what it takes then you know I'd, I'd trust the Pacers to to realize that either you can get something out of them or there's nothing there at all. Yeah. But but Philly with five picks, there's no way they are not major players. I mean they they will yeah. be moving picks. I think the Pacers have an opportunity to snag two of them.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think we're not doing depot trades. But like that could be a reason why you you maybe try to get. Philadelphia and Oladipo in a trade talk or a three-team trade where you get extra picks like I don't know what the Pacers are doing but they've been sniffing around from what we've heard about different people they could go out and um, go out and trade for or draft or trade for in the draft I mean I've, I've been getting some weird vibes that the Pacers are looking to maybe move into the uh, lottery area so who I mean not lottery but like middle like teens area mm-hmm. so who really knows but I just I I, I kind of feel that but those were our trade ideas, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Locked on Kings podcast host, the one and only, my main man, Mad George. He's going to be joining us next on the next segment. We'll be right back. What's going on, Pacer Nation? Now joining us on Setting the Pace is the one and only Matt George, who is the Locked On Kings uh, host. And he's going to talk to us today a little bit about Buddy Heald and you know maybe some guys on the Pacers that we might be interested in, uh, or the Kings might be interested in going after. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Hey, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. So we're, we're really excited about this upcoming season. Not sure what the Pacers are going to do, but um, Buddy Heald has been a name that Pacer Nation has just been – all over. They're super excited about him. Um, I just got a dog a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago. His name is Buddy. It just feels like it's meant to be Matt. Um, but uh I'm just curious, you know, with Buddy healed, what is going on with the situation in Sacramento?
1: Ooh, well, how much time you got? Uh it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a bit to explain everything. I always like to preface when I talk about Buddy Heald, I've appeared on about five or six different podcasts over the last couple of months talking about Buddy Heald, and I always like to preface that first and foremost, Buddy Heald is not a bad guy. He is not a bad teammate. He's not a a jerk from every interaction that I have had with him, Uh, and he is certainly a hard worker, if nothing else. So I want that to be made perfectly clear before I dive into all of the issues with Buddy Heald and why I, in particular here in Sacramento, am done with the guy and I'm ready for the Kings uh, to move on from him. First and foremost, Buddy Heald is an elite, elite shooter. Uh, to the point that everything he puts up, you expect to go in. He won the three point contest for a reason. The problem is, since Buddy Heald got paid, he forgot what got him paid. And he puts his recognition, his ego, his title, that's a higher, it's more important to him than success. And then winning and then playing a role. And that has led to this. I call it a new side of Buddy Heald because we hadn't seen it until he got paid, but maybe it was Buddy Heald all along. We're seeing this all about me, Buddy Heald, that has gone from him saying before he got his contract that he'd be happy to take his talents elsewhere to getting paid and then to being very publicly and vocally upset with head coach Luke Walton taking him out of games in the fourth quarter because he was an absolute defensive liability, him talking about that with the media the next day apologizing to his coaches and to his uh, teammates in practice, but still nothing changes. And we're talking about the second issue now that Buddy Heald has had with a coach. Now, Dave Yeager before Luke Walton was not anybody's biggest fan. Or he was nobody really there. I shouldn't say nobody. There weren't a lot of Kings players that were too fond of Dave Yeager. He was more of an abrasive coach, saying, I'm going to do things my way. But he was playing the Kings and using the Kings in a way that was successful, hence the great start they got off to in the 2018 2019 season. Well, the, one of the major reasons why the Kings moved on from Yeager is because he was not well liked, and Buddy Heald was one of the major players that did not like uh, Dave Yeager. Now Luke Walton comes in, and Luke Walton's being called this player's coach that everybody will respect. And Buddy Heald talks about how excited he is to work with Walton, how much he loves the idea of playing with Walton. Jump two months later, when Luke Walton wants to use Buddy Heald the same way Dave Yeager used Buddy Heald, Buddy doesn't like him anymore and is now refusing to to return his phone calls. So what you have here in Buddy Heald is you have an elite shooter who is not too great at anything else and who has revealed to be a bit of an egomaniac who is difficult to coach. That's essentially what you have in Buddy Heal. Yeah, that's
2: some very great points that I was not aware of because, you know, probably like most NBA fans, you know, Sacramento Kings games, you know, they're not on TV a lot. So it's hard to really watch each game of the Kings. But Buddy Heal has been someone that I've liked dating back to Oklahoma I felt like he was a great scorer. It seemed like he was very humble. I believe coming from the Bahamas, I know this family was, you know, I don't want to disrespect in any type of way, but they weren't the most well-off, and it really felt like Buddy Heald was someone I remember ESPN doing a great special on, really came from not much and really made a lot happen. But to hear some of that stuff, it's definitely interesting because part of me wonders – you know, there's a lot of incentives in his deal to maybe if he was trying to maybe get more money to become an all-star. I know there was a lot of things in terms of he can be like top 10 in three-point shooting, which we talked about. He's a great three-point shooter. If The Kings can get to the playoffs. Obviously, that, that didn't happen. So, curious to see what's driving that. But it feels like ever since before he got paid till now that it's not working out. And I feel like it's only a matter of time that Buddy's going to be potentially moved. And I'm just curious your thoughts on what you think the Kings might be asking and how soon do you think a move could be made?
1: Well, let me start with what you first said at the very beginning there, and that is Buddy Heald's upbringing. Buddy is a phenomenal story. And there is one thing that I will never criticize about the guy, and that's his work ethic. Buddy Heald is an absolute gym rat. He lives in the gym. He works very, very, very hard on his game. Now he spends most of his time working on the one element of his game that everybody knows about his shooting rather than his defense or than understanding the X's and O's of of a play set uh, that the, the Kings want him to run, but he does always work hard. He's a phenomenal story. You're right came from next to nothing uh, shooting uh, shooting hoops with a, a makeshift ball and, and hoop in the Bahamas uh, to now a, a multi millionaire player and one of the best shooters in the NBA and, and on track to be one of the best shooters in NBA history if his career continues uh, on its, uh, its current path. So Buddy Heald is a great story, and he is an absolute hard worker. That being said, I think Buddy Heald believes he is owed something, and Buddy Heald has a hard time separating what is his limit from what he thinks his limit is, Buddy Hield wants to be Kobe Bryant, his hero. Buddy Hield wants to be the star, the guy, and he's just not that. He's not that on the Sacramento Kings. He wouldn't be that with the Indiana Pacers. He wouldn't be that on any good team in the NBA. And I'm sure we'll get to that. But to your question, uh, what do the Sacramento Kings want from Buddy, uh, or want for Buddy Hield in the trade? We're not really sure because we don't know what Buddy Heald's value is, especially in this very upside down NBA market, right? We know that Buddy Heald's getting a massive payday. His contract starts now or next season. Uh, so that's going to be tough money to move on from. We also know the salary cap is probably going down and we don't know who's going to be willing to, to make massive trades here during this weird off season that we're going through. So, it's hard to to really answer that. But what I will say is that the Sacramento Kings, they don't necessarily expect to get equal value, but they're not going to allow Buddy Heald to go for nothing. Buddy Heald is still an elite shooter in an NBA that values shooting. And what's crazy is on paper, Buddy Heald is a fantastic fit in Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox and what the Kings want to do offensively. But it's is Buddy Heald willing to be that fit in Sacramento? That's where the biggest issue is right now. If it was Indiana Pacers that we're talking about, uh, there's no way that Buddy Heald's going to Indiana if, if Victor Oladipo or Miles Turner, or maybe even both, uh, aren't involved in the deal. Probably Miles Turner is who the Kings would be more interested in out of that pair. Uh, but the Kings are going to expect some, uh, some good value in return and are not just going to let him go for a draft pick and, and dead money. Okay, well, let me ask you
0: two quick questions, or I guess one quick question before I ask my second. So uh, do you anticipate Buddy Hield starting, or is he coming off the bench with Bogdanovich, um, you know, possibly getting retained and re, uh, restricted free agency?
1: If Vlade Divac was still the general manager of the Kings, I would say, one, Buddy Hield's probably not with the team next season. But if he was with the team next season, he would probably be coming off the bench with Luke Walton still as the head coach of the Kings. Right. That being said, I have a feeling – With Monty McNair, now the general manager of the Kings, coming from the Houston Rockets system, I think there is a good chance that if Buddy does stick around, he will get another shot in the starting lineup. The question is, what is that starting lineup going to look like? Are the Kings going to elect to also re-sign Bogdan Bogdanovich and wait until the deadline to move on from one of them? That's a very viable strategy that you could – you, you would have to gamble a little bit because you're paying two shooting guards a significant amount of money with the hopes that you'll be able to move on from one of them, which you most likely will at the deadline. Uh, so Buddy Heald probably will get an opportunity to start if he's with the Kings next season. That being said, is Buddy Heald at his best as a starter? I still need to be convinced a little bit, maybe in the right system where it's clear that there's a top guy and Buddy Heald is option B or C. Yes, it could work, but, for a team like the Sacramento Kings, I think buddy was a phenomenal sixth man. And as a sixth man could not only win Sixth man of the year, but help the Kings win basketball games, but he wasn't interested in that.
0: Yeah. So my, my question really then I guess, because I know like buddy healed for like miles Turner straight up. I don't know if the salaries would match. You might have to throw in another person like a Doug McDermott. Um, I I guess like you could do that deal with the Pacers do that deal possibly because McDermott is on an expiring contract and they, you know, don't know what the long-term future with Vic is, but um, I, I mean, I'm curious because I understand like Victor's value is super low right now too. And you brought up, you don't really know what Heald's value is um, in, in, his, in the current NBA right now with where he stands with the Kings. So I guess like if the Pacers were to like say, Hey, let's just swap Oladipo for, for Buddy Heald straight up, you know, you get rid of that headache and Buddy Heald and Luke Walton and their relationship. But I think the one thing that could be enticing that I don't think I've heard a lot of people talk about. Maybe you've talked about it on your show, but if you do trade for a guy like Victor Lodipo, you, you're, you might not anticipate him signing back, but come trade deadline, could you possibly get more for Victor if he shows that he could be that all-star um, and, instead of what you get back in a trade for Buddy Hill? Because what you really could do there is flip Buddy to flip, uh, you flip Buddy for Lodipo, then flip Lodipo for what you couldn't get out of a Buddy Hill trade.
1: Yeah, regardless, it's a gamble, right? Because Mm -hmm. if if the Kings went that route, there is a very good opportunity to Victor Oladipo, which, by the way, I think could be fun in Sacramento. I don't know how much he'd help the Kings win right away, but he'd be fun to watch if nothing else alongside De'Aaron Fox. Oh yeah. Uh, I I think that there is the opportunity for Victor to go. I'm playing for a a bad team here. I'm just going to go and get mine every night and and show off for my next contract. And then maybe the Kings can turn him around uh, at the trade deadline and get something out of it. But you're gambling because there's a very good opportunity there that you traded away, buddy healed for a good asset for a rental for a few months. And then he walked away and you're left with basically nothing now, the good news in that situation is even if you're left with nothing, Buddy Heald's $90 million is off your books, so you have <laughs> a little more cap flexibility going into a big big payday for De'Aaron Fox and potentially a payday for Marvin Bagley coming up uh, in in the next couple of years. So would the Kings be more willing to do that gamble than to just re-sign Bogdan Bogdanovich and have both shooting guards still on the roster and try and trade one of them later on in the year? I hesitate to say yes. I think the Kings would probably prefer in that situation to keep Buddy and Bogey, see what they have, and make a decision between the two of them later on. That's just my gut feeling read on it. Um, I would love for Victor Oladipo to be a King, especially if the Kings could find a way to re-sign him and keep him around if it worked. But we're talking like a 20 to 25% chance of that happening, and, and I don't think Monty McNair likes those odds.
2: I'm going to be honest. I got some trade offers for Buddy Healy right now. I got to hear your opinions on them because he's someone I've been intrigued by for a long time. You got the Kings trying to end a 14-year playoff drought. So I feel like the time to win, you got some young players there. De'Aaron Fox is someone that the league needs to see more of. If you can see him in the playoffs, I think he'll get some of the, the respect that he deserves. And I think that I want to hear your thoughts on these two offers. I put together Buddy Heal, Bielitsa, and the 35th overall pick for Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and Aaron Holiday. Now, hear me out here. You're getting the Miles Turner contract, which is about $54 million remaining over the next three years. You get off the Buddy Healed contract. Bielitsa is an expiring free agent after uh, next season. The 35th overall pick is thrown in from Sacramento, but you have three picks um, in the top 42. And then you're also getting Aaron Holiday, a young you know, guard who can play either alongside Fox at times or could
1: back him up. The first offer, thoughts on that? Let me, let me answer that offer first with a question. Miles Turner shot 38% from three-point range in 2018-2019, shot 34% from three-point range last season. Which one is more accurate? Or is he right in the middle, you think, around 36%?
2: I think he's probably around around 37. The Pacers are notoriously known for shooting amongst the fewest threes in the league. Under Nate McMillan, they were truly stuck in the Stone Age. I feel like Miles Turner would probably bring more value to another team than, unfortunately, he would the Pacers, having to play alongside Sabonis right now. It's been tough. They've tried to make it work. It's not ideal but i would be interested to see miles turner playing alongside marvin bagley
1: so if the kings are acquiring miles turner they are doing it for that exact reason he's young he's exciting i'm a big miles turner fan but they would be bringing him in with the expectation that he and bagley would pay, play a mixture of a, a 4 or 5 one of them would be the 5 one of them would be the 4 and miles turner would be more on the perimeter with bagley more at the high post low post and working on the inside Uh, This deal, I am leaning towards doing it. For the Sacramento Kings, because of how much I value Miles Turner. I also like McDermott. Uh, I think he's a decent uh, piece that could help the Kings off the bench. Uh, Nemanja Bialica is an interesting cog here because I don't know how much Bialica wants to remain in Sacramento. I don't know what Monty McNair wants to do with Bialica's current contract situation, but Bialica is definitely a fantastic shooter that I think could be very, very good for Indiana. I do have one concern with Buddy Heald in Indiana that I want to ask you about after your second trade offer. But to answer your question, um, I think I would, if I was Monty McNair and the Kings, I think I would do that deal.
2: Okay. Now, definitely an intriguing deal. Uh, I think that, you know, there's it's enough of a fair deal. It allows Indiana to get a pick inside of the top 35 since they're not picking to about 54. Um, the other trade offer, Victor Oladipo, Aaron Holiday, and TJ Leaf for Buddy Heald, Bealitza, and it's a swap of either the 54th to the 35th or 54th for, I, be, I believe, the 42nd is the other pick that the Kings have. So in the deal, since it is Oladipo, a bigger name, you know, I was initially trying to target more of the swap of the 54th to the 35th in there. But thoughts over there, at the very worst, you unload the Buddy Heald contract, getting, you know, full cap back, assuming that Oladipo does not resign. You get a young player now in Aaron holiday and you roll the dice
1: on TJ. Oof, not as sure on this one as I am with the Miles Turner trade. I I think if if Sacramento's in this position because of the gamble and the risk of losing Oladipo for nothing, which I think is more likely than Oladipo resigning in Sacramento, I think the Kings would probably try – to get a little more. Now, would they actually get it? Maybe not, but I'm talking like a a future protected first rounder or not doing the pick swap. Or something there. It's weird because Victor Oladipo for Buddy Healed value for value, if you were to ask me which player is better, I'd tell you Oladipo. So in the short term, the Kings are probably getting the better player in the deal. That being said, the Pacers are getting one of the league's top shooters with full contractual control, while the Kings are getting a really good player who likely is going to leave to go to a contender in the next year unless some miracle happens in Sacramento. So in that case, I think I would try to get a little bit more maybe a future asset um like a a draft pick attached there so i guess i'd say no deal to that or i would try and counter that deal that you just offered but i'm definitely more interested in the miles turner deal
0: all right well i i've got a couple ideas i guess these are three team trades if the if the the kings decide hey we really don't like a lot of the packages the pacers put together especially if they decide that they don't want to trade turner because there are some possibilities they could not Uh, or they could you know want to keep Turner and Sabonis and see how that goes under uh, a new coach but I, I threw out a couple of different like three team trade ideas would you guys I guess before I throw them out there would you as a Kings fan have any interest in Gordon Hayward on the Kings um maybe a pairing of Gordon Hayward and Daniel Tice together or would you be interested in Eric Bledsoe at all
1: oh Uh, The only interest that I'd have in Eric Bledsoe is so that De'Aaron Fox doesn't have to face him because for some reason (laughs) Eric Bledsoe is one of the few guards that actually can bother De'Aaron Fox uh, defensively. Um, Other than that, not super interested in Eric Bledsoe. Gordon Hayward is interesting because I was a big fan of him in Utah. He's not the same player. He hasn't been the same player since he got hurt with Boston. He is massively overpaid so that is a salary dump situation where you're you're getting kind of dead money on the books Hayward will probably stick around for I can't remember how many years he has left on his deal just
0: one it's a player option
1: so he'd finish out his contract in Sacramento and then he would likely move on to or maybe the Kings could get him to come back for cheap because his value is significantly down so I guess there I'm intrigued but I think the Kings would probably want to get more than either of those two or have more, uh, not have as much interest. Let's put it this way. I think Monty McNair would have more interest in future draft assets than they would either of those players.
0: Yeah. So like one of the trades I came up with, I'll just share a couple of my ideas and and then get your feedback. So, in this first proposed uh, uh, proposed trade, I guess is how you would say that I can't talk right now. Um, the, The Kings would get Gordon Hayward and Daniel Tice. The Celtics would get Corey Joseph, Jeremy Lamb, and Miles Turner, and the Pacers would get Buddy Heald. Now, um, you could you could throw in that 14th overall pick uh, from Boston to the to the Kings because they're getting younger with Miles Turner. They're getting off the salary of Gordon Hayward, and then they get two bench players. I think they could really help their team uh, as far as depth goes. in Corey Joseph and Jeremy Lamb, which I know Lamb is. A little bit of a, of a question mark right now because of his injuries, but it's a really affordable contract at 10.5. So that is my first trade. I'll let you go ahead and respond to that before I give you my next one.
1: Well, you said something in there that actually really did intrigue me, and that's the 14th pick along with it from – I think it's Boston that yeah. you said. that. I'm interested in, because in that case, the Kings are getting two draft assets this year because they already have their number 12 overall pick, especially if they could get a combination of Aaron Neesmith and Patrick Williams or Devin Vassell or Sadiq Bay or even go a guard and get Cole Anthony or R.J. Hampton. If you could find a way to get two young players in this draft in that 12 to 14 range... I think that's something the Kings would definitely be interested in. They would be more willing to take on Hayward if that were the case. So I think that is a very important piece to this that would have to be discussed. Um, Other than that, I I, I wish it was uh, Jalen Brown that was coming to Sacramento and not Gordon Hayward, of course. But I I could understand there being interest from Sacramento there, but I think there would need to be more of a discussion. That's definitely not a deal, done deal, let's do it type reaction for me.
0: Right. So I I think the other trade that I'll throw out here, because if you didn't like that trade, you're not going to like the other one because it was pretty much just Corey Joseph and Gordon Hayward involved. And I think it was Oladipo going to the Celtics, but no pick involved. So the other one was the Pacers traded away. Um, their first overall pick this year. I forget where it's at. I think it might be like in the like around 23, 24 to Milwaukee in the Brogdon signing trade. So this was my three-team deal because it's, it was reported last week that Kevin O'Connor had said the Bucks and Pacers had talked about a potential trade. And I'm like, I just don't like Eric Bledsoe on the Pacers. I didn't know if he would make any sense next to De'Aaron Fox in the backcourt, but it was like DJ Wilson, Eric Bledsoe, and then like that, that first round pick, the Pacers traded to Milwaukee. Uh, with Oladipo and TJ Leaf going to the Bucks, you guys getting those assets and the Pacers just getting Buddy Heald out of all that. So I didn't know if that would be intriguing as well because you'd get that pick. you get a, you know, a, a better contract than Eric Bledsoe. Maybe he has more value. I don't know. Um, DJ Wilson's a young player. If you didn't want him, you could get Irsan Ilyasova, who's around $7 million on an expiring contract. So, I mean, there's different things you could play around with there, but I think that that was an intriguing deal in my opinion but I didn't know how the Kings
1: fans would view that deal yeah I don't think there's much interest at all in Eric Bledsoe not that he's not a good player but the Kings are fine at the point guard position that's the one area that we don't have to ask any questions thankfully Uh, but here's here's I guess the best thing that I can say about this situation and with these three-team deals it's interesting if the Kings are going to be involved in a three-team trade they're not going to be the bonus team that is just there to help help things out. They're going to be serious players. If the Kings are giving up Buddy Heald, they are going to expect serious return. And is Eric Bledsoe enough serious return? No, it doesn't make sense. Is Gordon Hayward enough serious return? Maybe three years ago, but probably not right now. And I'm trying to do my best not to overvalue Buddy Heald because that's a very easy thing to do. Because I, like I said, I don't know what his value is completely. And I also recognize that every time Buddy Heald opens his mouth or likes an Instagram post, he his value goes down. It's clear that Buddy wants out of Sacramento and teams are going to try to take advantage of that. But the Kings are the one with contractual control over the asset, over the top shooter that other teams... And, and tell me if I'm wrong, but the Indiana Pacers could really, really use. So that yeah. is a power position that I expect Monty McNair and the Kings to exercise as best they can. And if the deal is not there right now, they will wait until the next deadline. I guess that's my best way to sum it up. Yeah.
2: No, that definitely sounds good because, you know, Sacramento, it's, it's time that they can get over the hump. And that West is so strong right now that you can't just afford to just dump him to just get the contract off the books. When it's kind of hard to lure free agents over there, I mean, we saw them, you know, kind of have to overpay for Harrison Barnes, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. they, they got they got the contract done. I have a fun three-team deal. I don't know if the Pacers walk out on top on this, but thought you might be interested. So for my last deal, um, the Kings are sending out Buddy Hield, um, and the 35th overall pick. The Pacers are going to be sending out Miles Turner and Doug McDermott to the Kings. The Knicks are in this deal. So the Knicks are sending Kevin Knox to the Kings as well. So the Kings acquire Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and Kevin Knox, um, and the Pacers 54th overall pick. They're giving up Bielitsa, Buddy Heald, the 35th. And the Pacers are sending Oladipo to the Knicks. And the Pacers acquire Taj Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Bielitsa, and Buddy Heald. So a lot of moving parts there. Hope I didn't lose you. Um, The Knicks could end up re-signing Oladipo. The Pacers, while they could be giving up a little too much in this deal, they do land Buddy Heald. They do land Bielitsi, who I think would be a really good power forward for the Pacers. I I really do think that he'd be a good fit there. You get depth with Taj Gibson and Wayne Ellington, but at the same point, you also move up in the draft about 20 spots. Uh, Is that something that you think the Kings would be interested in? When you get a young player like Knox, who maybe there's still
1: something there yeah i'm a fan of this deal i'm a a fan of that idea for sure i don't know if the knicks want to do it or the knicks are 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 too big of players there but i'm not answering for the knicks i'm answering from a king's perspective or from a king's perspective if there's a way that the kings could get miles turner as the main piece back i don't value the 35th pick too much because the kings have a boatload of second rounders so that that pick can can go that's fine as long as they still have 12 and if they're able to also get a prospect wing in Knox that they maybe could do something with uh, along with another wing shooter in Doug McDermott that could maybe find some playing time. Yeah. I think this is a deal. The Sacramento Kings would be interested in if it was on the table.
0: Yeah. Flash, That's an interesting trade. So what all did the Pacers get back in that deal?
2: uh, I left out the Knicks are including um, their earliest second round, uh, the 27th overall pick. So the late first round pick in that deal. So, that pick's going to the Pacers because they're giving up Oladipo, Miles Turner, and McDermott. So, essentially, the Pacers walk away with the 27th, the 35th, um, Taj Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Bielitsa, and Buddy Heald. You have depth. You have two picks right over there. Maybe you can package the 27th and the 35th and move up, you know, to, to about middle of the first round. It gives you options over there to bring in young talent, which hopefully Nate Yorkin can, can develop. But you're also – Making sure that Oladipo does not leave for nothing. Miles Turner and Buddy Heald's contracts are somewhat similar. Although Turner's 17 and a half. Buddy Heald's contract goes down about 2 million each year, so it's not that crazy of a difference. Bialica will be expiring contract after next season. And then Taj Gibson, just a veteran center that you could play, you know, obviously when you need to, you know that you're at least going to be able to get some minutes there compared to the unknown of like a Goga and you'll still have three centers with, you know, Sabonis, um, Taj Gibson and Goga.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the Pacers would do that deal. Uh, I know that it's nice to get picks back, but uh, that late in this draft for Oladipo, I don't think they'd want to do that. I I think they'd rather just see how it plays out and see if they can get more for his value closer to the trade deadline. But I mean, I think there is obviously something there with, with Turner uh, for, for Buddy Hill, just a, a very simple trade, even if it was, just just Turner in you know a salary cap filler with an expiring contract like McDermott, but I mean the Pacers might be like, Yeah, I wouldn't want to give up another shooter, but that might be interesting. I mean, TJ Leaf has got like four million dollars. I know it's an expiring contract. I mean, when you're when you're looking at that, I mean, you gotta realize one thing too. Miles Turner is what, 24 and Buddy Hield's twenty-seven. Miles Turner's a really good defender, one of the best rim protectors in the entire league. So I, I think that the Pacers probably would value in a to me anyway. At, at least at the same level, uh, Turner for, for Buddy Heald, but they might even value Turner a little bit more just because of the age. So, Matt, I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: No, I actually 100% agree with you. Uh, yeah. Absolutely agree with you. Now, Buddy Heald, there there's another element that I think might also add into Miles Turner being higher value than Buddy Heald, and that's Buddy Heald's attitude and the issues that have been having or happening in Sacramento. And let me just say this, and this is a warning to you guys. This is also a warning to Indiana Pacers fans who might be interested in Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald could be a great fit in Indiana, and theoretically, he would be a great fit. I think it, it, it's safe to say, right, Demontis Sabonis is the best player on the, the Pacers and is the Pacers' number one guy and star, correct? Yeah. So, the problem is, I think Buddy Heald needs to go somewhere where it is so clear that he is not the number one guy that even he can't deny it. And what I mean by that is if he goes to the Lakers, duh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are there. If he goes to the Bucks, duh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is there. If he goes to the Sixers, duh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are there. If he goes to the Pacers, you and I might say, duh, DeBontis Sabonis is there, but Buddy Heald goes, well, maybe I'm 1B and he's 1A. And that's the way I think he feels about the Sacramento Kings right now, is De'Aaron Fox is 1A, but he is 1B. And that, to me, is a problem. So in that situation, taking that into account, I think the Indiana Pacers might be skeptical to give up Turner Four healed straight up because of that baggage that comes with Buddy. That being said, I want to make this perfectly clear: if Buddy Healed buys into his role in Indiana, I do think Buddy Healed could be the difference between the Pacers being a middle-of-the-road Eastern Conference team and a team making a run for an Eastern Conference championship. Uh, appearance and and maybe even an NBA finals appearance like Buddy Heald is good enough to be that complimentary piece to where he is so effective on the perimeter and you have to pay so much attention to him that either DeMontis Sabonis is going to take advantage of it or Buddy is going to take advantage of the amount of attention that's on Sabonis, especially if TJ Warren keeps up the run that he was on there uh, during the Orlando bubble. So if Buddy Heald came in and embraced, hey, I'm the number three guy on this team, but I have free range of the perimeter. This is why I love a, a, a Buddy Heald to Philadelphia 76ers trade so much for the Sixers. If Buddy Heald would buy into that role with either the Sixers or the Pacers, I think he could be a missing piece on a great, great, great team. But he has to be willing to buy into that, and that is a major question mark that the Pacers have to keep into account in trying to acquire him.
0: Yeah, and as a and for me personally, it's like uh, if I see him on the Sixers having that success, I'm going to hate it, just because I feel like the Pacers are, are, are a team that should be willing to take a risk, especially with the current roster and, and how they're how they're looking compared to the rest of the Eastern Conference. They've got to make a little bit of some risky moves because they've got to make some splashes before, you know, before the season starts. Because if not, they're more than likely going to finish with the sixth or seventh seed and be another first round exit. And we can't put the blame on any McMillan for them not succeeding. If
2: that's the case. And Matt winning, winning can clear up a lot and it could make people, you know, accept new roles and whatever it is. I would expect if Buddy came to the Pacers, I definitely understand your um, comparison where, Maybe he would view himself as a best player, but I think that there, there's enough mouths to feed in Indiana that I would imagine his stats would go down, but he would be embracing a winning role, and sometimes that brings happiness, and maybe that's just the change that he needs. Um, you know, you really never know, but I think a team like the Pacers, they've had success bringing in guys like maybe like a T.J. Warren. The, the, the perception on Warren was he doesn't win. He doesn't play defense coming into this year, and he bought in, and he played really good, maybe his best overall season yet, and kind of showed that, hey, you know, you can't just label him with everything else that you saw going on in Phoenix. That's not to say with Buddy Heal, but I think this feels like change is inevitable, and you guys might have crossed a a certain path where I'm curious to see how it ends up, but, hey, if there's going to be a team where he could end up we're always available in Indiana
1: because that's how we get our guys. So, count- No, it, it's, it's an excellent point, but let me just add one more element to it for you and for the Pacers and Pacers fans to keep in mind. When the Sacramento Kings moved Buddy Heald to the bench and brought him in as a sixth man scoring role, meaning his job was just to come in and score, and you were scoring typically either against the second unit or a little bit tired first unit, Buddy Heald excelled. His shooting percentage shot over 40%, nearly to 50% at times. The Kings were winning games. They looked better. It made more sense. It felt more smooth. And Buddy Heald was pissed the entire time. So, would that be the same thing in Indiana? Maybe not, because the Pacers are an established playoff team and the Kings aren't. But that's something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the Pacers aren't one of those teams that's really been known to go make a trade for a guy that can be a little bit of a head case. Um, they they dealt with it for a little bit with the Lance Stevenson era, which I wouldn't really call him a head case. I just think that Lance is crazy. Um, the last real head case they probably had was uh, Tyreek Evans a couple years ago which he was just a, a hot mess in that locker room and we saw that he had an issue with marijuana because he's been banned from the league for I believe it's at least two years so he's got another season of not playing so uh, you guys are all familiar with uh, Tyreek Evans out in Sacramento but you know Buddy Hield is a guy that I think when you look on paper and his skill set the Pacers could use someone like that but I do think there are some risk with it my my biggest concern for the Pacers, though, going forward, and I'm going to do an in-depth podcast about this later this week, is just their their future with the salary cap. Because if you look at it, they got an Oladipo extension coming up. They've got Bo Turner and Sabonis extended. They just signed Malcolm Brogdon to a big deal, and T.J. Warren's coming up in two years. Having all this money long-term for guys that are, you know, seven or eight level players, you know, out of ten, it's, it's a lot of money to be paying guys that aren't number one. So I think that that could be a bit of a concern for the Pacers with uh, making a move for Buddy Hill. But I do think that if they're going to lose Oladipo, I think they'd rather have someone at Buddy Hill's level in his contract than missing out on, you know, losing Oladipo for nothing.
1: Yeah, like I said earlier, I think Buddy Heald could be a good fit in Indiana if he bought in correctly. Now, that's a big if that the Pacers need to be aware of. Uh, but I, I am a fan of Buddy Hield, even if he doesn't think so. Uh, I am a, a fan of Buddy Heald, the basketball player, Buddy Heald, the shooter. Uh, but it's also important for me to note to you all as well, full transparency here. If you look at Buddy Heald's numbers and judge him based off of his numbers alone, you're not getting the whole story with Buddy Heald. If Buddy Heald became an Indiana Pacer, you'd see pretty quickly the pitfalls in his game, particularly how bad he is on the defensive end of the floor, uh, how inconsistent he is offensively creating for his teammates, although it is something that he has said he is working on. Uh, and then his ball handling. Buddy Heald is notorious for, for dribbling the ball off of his foot at least once a game. He just does it. So these are elements of Buddy's game that the Pacers and whoever's interested in Buddy Heald have to be aware of. It's not just, hey, you're getting the three-point shooting champ who's lights up from the perimeter because, yes, he is that, but there's the other side of Buddy Heald that comes along with him that you can't ignore.
2: Of course, you know, now more than ever, obviously the game has shifted offensively, and the Pacers are a team that has, you know, struggled to, A, you need to get more three-pointers up, B, you know, you need to score more. Um, So he is a player that I feel like could be obtainable. But as Alex was saying, make no mistake about it, if the Pacers made a move to bring in Buddy Heald, I think that would probably likely spell the end of Oladipo's time in Indiana, which, you know, could be happening regardless. But at this point, I'd still like to bring in Buddy and then see if we can make it work from there because the contract I don't think is going to be too bad uh, about two years from now you know, I mean, we're really talking about a guy who's going to be making $20 million per year uh, a few years from now. So, um, obviously there's cap concerns right now, but I do think, uh, it might be worth a gamble. Yeah. There's no doubt about
0: it, Fachi. but yeah, Matt, we appreciate you coming on. It's been, you know, a fun episode to talk about Buddy Hill He's been the most talked about player. The Pacers could go out and get, so, um, you know, I think it's been really fun to hear your thoughts on everything Buddy Hill related and, uh, where can people find you out on social media, and do you have anything coming out for Locked On Kings or wherever you're
1: doing your writing? Yeah, at Matt George KGDK is how you can reach me on Twitter. If you want any Kings updates, I host Lost Locked On Kings, which is mostly a daily. Uh, Kings podcast Monday through Friday, although during the offseason we'll take a day or two, a, a week off depending upon what's out there. I just released a podcast episode today interview with CBS Sports' Gary Parish as we went over uh, mock drafts and who the Kings could potentially get with the number 12 overall pick. Uh, and also we've done episodes like this with a bunch of different uh, hosts of different podcasts specific to different teams. Talk to the 76ers, talk to the Bucks, now talk to the, a couple different pay Podcast about what to do uh, with Buddy Hield, and then of course we're going to be following all this latest with a potential December 22nd start date and what that could mean for the Sacramento Kings. And the draft is coming up too, so plenty of content over there. If you're ever interested in anything that's happening with the Sacramento Kings, come check out Locked On Kings, and I'd love to uh, love to chat with you over there. Awesome,
0: great stuff, man. Well, I got to ask that she you said you've been talking to the other teams real quick. Uh, Is Miles Turner the most intriguing name you've heard back in a potential Buddy Hill trade, or is there another team that the Pacers should keep their eye on
1: that you like better? I would say in terms of just talent that the Kings could get back, Miles Turner is probably the best that I've heard. Uh, The other one that had a lot of steam and a lot of potential was the Philadelphia 76ers where the Kings would kind of have their pick of either Tobias Harris or Al Horford. Nice. uh Tobias harris is more interesting out of the two but his money is gross like you mentioned as is al horford's money but in that scenario the kings could get away with demanding a, a pick attached to it because the 76ers are desperate for shooting and hopefully sacramento could maybe take advantage of that now that was before daryl morey went to town so maybe that changes things there i was also talking with the guys from the the uh, locked on bulls podcast about the possibility of the king's taking on Otto Porter uh, Jr.'s contract, but also getting draft assets attached with it, and Otto Porter Jr. is an expiring deal after next season. So kind of similar to a Victor Oladipo situation there, except not nearly as good of a player. But overall, I think Miles Turner, if I had to choose like trading Buddy Heald for a player straight up, uh, I think Miles Turner is the absolute best that maybe the Kings could hope for.
0: And that is why I said the pressures on the Pacers, like if the Pacers don't get this deal done, it's clearly not because they don't have the assets, but because they just didn't feel like Buddy Hill was the right fit. So I feel good hearing other people's uh, same opinions match up with mine. But, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, we'll have to do it again soon, especially if this trade does happen.
1: Hey, if the trade goes down, I'd be happy to chat with you guys again. It's been a blast. I appreciate you taking the time. I look forward to having uh, you both on Locked on Kings one day as well. So uh, keep awesome. it keep it good, and uh, hopefully you get through this election day <laughs> and for everything else. And, hey, we'll enjoy the NBA draft coming up. I can't wait more.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yep. Thanks, Thanks lot, Matt. again, Matt. We'll see you. All everybody, that does it for another episode of Setting the Pace on IndieSportsLegends.com. You can find us on Twitter at Pace 3 I'm at AlexGoldenNBA, and Mike Focci is underscore F-A-C-C-I. Keep it safe, everybody. Hope you guys have a great day, and let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.